live. It is Thursday, right? Thursday, mm-hmm. 11 a.m. Central. I am here with my my juju brother from another mother, How's Yashu going? from Hit That Bit. How you doing, brother? Thank you for coming. Uh, doing, doing good. I hope everyone's doing well as well. And uh, yeah, it feels like a Friday almost because uh, the amount of just roller coastering that there's been in the, in the last few weeks, it feels like every week should be short. But uh, yeah, doing okay. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Great to hear, man. Yeah, make sure you can hear us okay in the comments. Make sure you can see us okay. You can hear us okay. Um, as always, one of the things that I really love about our community is that the comments section is always uh, full of great discussion and always super respectful. Um, and so I, I, I would love us to continue that trend. One of my biggest, uh, uh, one of my biggest proud moments of building this community is just the amount of awesome discord we have in the comments section. Um, and thanks to, you know, obviously because of Yashu's Juju gang coming in, always coming in with awesome insights and, and commentary. So I really appreciate you all. Uh, maybe we'll start, Yash, with um, your take on quarter four deliveries. I know there's so many, so much to talk about. Uh, I had Gary and Alexandra on yesterday. They gave her two cents. I would love to hear yours as well. And there's so many different things we can talk about around that topic and we can take it from there. So I'll give the mic to you. Just uh, take us away for a little while. What are your thoughts? Yeah, first of all, I'd say uh, if you haven't checked out that stream, I'd encourage everyone to. It was a great uh, hour and a half session uh, that Thank you had you. with Gary and, and, and Alexandra. Thank you. Um, I, I think the biggest question, by now everyone knows that 405 delivered, 440 produced, that chasm grows in absolute, in absolute number, maybe not percentage, depending on the way you look at it. But the big question is, does that chasm, and I don't want to harp on this too much because I think we're kind of even past this narrative at this point, but does that chasm reflect people that could not have, uh, or th- th- there we go, uh, does that chasm reflect just logistics and it's just a matter of there's not enough ships, trucks that could really be passed towards the end, and, you know, Tesla has a, a new way of delivering or is it indeed that people were like, yeah, you know what? I don't actually want to buy. And by the time that they decided that Tesla had already produced these cars. Now, Wall Street looked in the way that the stock reacted the next day. Um, you know, judging by that, you, you can say uh, it, it was more of the latter. Now, that's like the immediate question. Um, I talked about this on the live stream as soon as uh, the report came out. But I said on this 8K, I did not read. The, and maybe I missed this. Someone let me know in the comments if I'm wrong. But some, uh, but I, I didn't read from Tesla IR that this, um, that all of the cars uh, in, t- in terms of the gap are ordered and just on the way to the customer, the way that we read it in quarter three. So, you know, that leaves it up to interpretation. Who knows? Um, the IRA for all intents and purposes kicked in two weeks ago for Tesla uh, because Tesla discounted anything, uh, everything anyways, and kind of the mess that's going on with confusion. But overall, I think the... Um, the general market sentiment is that demand has stopped. That's, I mean, there's no better way to put it is I I think the market thinks demand is over and it's funny because they don't really care about aggregate demand. It seems like they only care about Tesla demand, but it's like, if you look at any other car maker um, and how their, uh, how their production deliveries have, or I guess their sales have been um, in the recession, it's going to be ugly for everyone, but Tesla really only seems to be the one growing at any massive scale still. So that's a lot to say to say that, you know, until we get earnings, it's going to be it's going to be just like that. It's going to be sideways action, if not weak, I think, uh, in terms of the stock, just because there's no way we're kind of in purgatory of of getting more information. Like we can't, you know, Tesla can't release another press release about something or or release an AK. Like we're just going to have to wait for the earnings call. And so that puts us to January 25th. That's about 20 days away. 
Um, and I guess during that call, we'll get a better idea as to hopefully we get a better idea as to all of our questions around demand and, and whether it's a nothing burger or not. Yeah. So you, you, you do think, oh my God, my dogs. So you do think it's going to be a sort of sideways action up through earnings? Sideways or weak. Um, I, I saw some, I saw some technical traders on Twitter say, look, Tesla's due for a bounce here. I think the real test is 100. Obviously, the psychological 100, uh, 100, and I know a lot of people don't even care about technical analysis, but I mean, in lieu of any news, I think technicals kind of rain the day in terms of supply and demand day to day and, and for traders. But I think $100 is the obvious. I mean, we're $10 away, 110 sitting on Tesla at the moment. It's the obvious psychological, um, um, I think, uh, technical level to look at at the moment. It's a huge level. Um, and some would argue it's 90, 93 is another one, but I mean, triple digits to go into double digits would be a psychological difference for, I, I think, anyone, uh, whether or not split adjusted, if you want to talk that or not. But I just think uh, that's a huge psychological level to look at. Do you think um, do you think there's anything Tesla or Elon could do between now and earnings to try and maybe soften the blow of, of the recent quarterly report or, or do you really think it's just we're just relinquishing uh the <laughs> the universe to traders up through that earnings report and if there's going to be momentum downwards that's what it is if and if uh if somehow we we go through it unscathed and we arrive to earnings say in a you know sideways to maybe a little slightly up pattern that this bodes well for a bottom how how do you think about that I guess the issue, uh, could Elon do anything? No, uh, they're all in a blackout period. You're not going to hear from investor uh, in, investor relations really about any clarity, I think. Um, everyone's just all hands on deck for this call coming up. Um, and I, I, I hate to say it, but this earnings call is going to be a little bit boring. The We kind of know what we're going to get. I don't think energy is going to be a huge surprise yet. It might be in quarter one, I think, moving into the IRA. Uh, but I think the biggest metric I'm looking at is margin, is gross margin really X Zev credit, because this gross margin number is going to paint uh, a picture of, okay, that's seven and a half thousand dollar credit. How much of the skew of deliveries that happened happened on the backs of Tesla, giving that discount to customers? Because if a large percentage of that did and all that delivery came in the last few weeks, you can make the argument, well, that $7,500 really bodes well going into 2023 and beyond with the IRA uh, and the 7.5. But it, so it's kind of like a double-edged sword. It's like you don't want to see gross margin really substantially come down because you don't want to see a large portion of your deliveries uh, discounted. Because if, let's let's be honest, if Tesla did not discount 7500 you know, we'd be talking sub 400000 for deliveries, right? Um, but also, I, I think in the next couple of weeks, we might get some revisions from analysts uh, lowering mar uh, lowering uh, uh, lowering uh, income by um, 150 ish million, 10,000 10, uh, gross margin per car, uh, 50. Uh, yeah, 10,000 per car, 15,000 cars less than expected versus 420. So they're in the rounds. But I, mm. I think the margin number is super important. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you, with you more there. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think the thing that's been. Like I, I've been trying to think through, and I posed this to the to the panel yesterday with Alexandra and Gary is like, um, or maybe I didn't really hit it as hard as I should. The Elon on the on the one Twitter space he did, you know, he talked about supply chain, uh, 
Uh, he talked about deflation that that's you know it's going to take a while for it to work through the supply chain, and that we should see you know it takes a while for it because you know what happens is Tesla ends up making contracts that are 90, 180 days out sometimes for materials that are on a fixed price from six months ago or three months ago, and even though they might be say I don't know freaking the cost of aluminum or some sort of material that they're purchasing um, has come down thirty percent between now and then. You're still paying the three months ago price up until you're able to renegotiate the contract once your period is up. And so I'm assuming that's what he's talking about from that stuff working in. But really, deflation has been happening. I mean, from from a lot of the data sets we're seeing in some things, right? Like lithium is not one of them. We know lithium is is, is going up in price. Uh, but other materials have been coming down dramatically. And Elon coming out and saying, hey, Fed, you should lower the rate by 25 and said they, you know, hike it up by 75 and then 50. So these are additional signals that say, hey, there is something happening in the supply chain that's telling Elon that the costs are come down. So in theory, mm -hmm. these should be reflected in margin, right? Theoretically, as especially as Berlin and Austin ramp up, going from 1,000 a week to 3,000 a week, that fixed cost structure becomes much more efficient because now instead of using, uh, you know, I don't know, 10,000 workers and a bunch of machinery to crank out a thousand cars, you're using the same exact labor and machinery to crank out 3000 cars. So your part cost per car comes down. And if the materials used to build that car is coming down, then, you know, it, the question becomes how much is the offset of cost going down versus prices going down? And if it's the same, theoretically, mm -hmm. we should see margins stay about even but but that's that's going to be the biggest thing i'm going to looking for i'm going to look for in q4 is like okay i couldn't agree with you more margins a hundred percent because it gives us the signal that says even if tesla is doing uh, incentives in china even if they're lowering price in the united states for the last couple of weeks to push demand for uh you know to stoke demand because of the uh, ira ev tax credit which we can get into that whole mess that it is um there has to be some offsetting force, not to mention that the full self-driving adoption uh, in Q4 uh, theoretically should be slightly higher because, you know, they have opened it up to everybody. And if people think this is a cool piece of software, there might be a few more people that are signing up for the $200 a month uh, subscription. I'm not saying more people will go out and spend 15000 but it's going to be small. It's going to be a small, but it should be a plus. So I'm curious to see how all these things interchange. And that's the biggest verbiage I'm going to be looking for in, in, in Q4. What do, you, what do you think about that? Yeah, uh, just briefly on the FST point, uh, I, I don't. I think it's mostly nothing burger still. Um, I hate to okay. say it, I, 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 and I know you have way more. You're so pessimistic. Than, no, it's just <laughs> bottom line, I'm the two hundred bucks subscription. Like I just don't think it's going to make a large enough dent. But you're right in the sense that once it, 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 it maybe I'm wrong, but you're, you're right that most of that would flow to the bottom line. At least there's that, right? So, um, I just don't think it's that story has played itself out yet. Um, in terms of margin and commodity prices going down, uh, I agree. I, but that's the bet for 2023, right? Is because we it's almost certain that Tesla will lower prices at some point this year at some portion of the world. Like that much is is guaranteed. By the way, hold on, hold on to your pants for that because that's a whole other fud storm coming when when prices do get lowered. Maybe that's this quarter. Uh, maybe that's nothing. Um, uh, John says I use uh, I use the term burger a lot for for a vegetarian. <laughs> um, <laughs> Veggie burgers, guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, uh, but anyways, but the, 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 so the margin story, right? Giga castings as well, forty six eighties, which have been on, on on the topic of of a lot of people's minds. With okay, is this going to reach scale four gigawatt hours only? We're supposed to be at a hundred. What's wrong here? So there's a lot. But twenty twenty three, you're right. It's 
The question is how much of the commodity prices going down will offset some of the price decreases um, that are probably coming. Who's to say? Um, but that's kind of the bet. And that's why we've seen revisions from analysts for EPS this year go down, right? Adam Jonas has EPS um, 2023, $3.77 or something uh, in terms of his last, maybe his last, second last. 377 377. Um, uh, the street, in case you care, average analyst uh, EPS estimate is, uh, is $5.29. So, you know, and, and the low end of that, I think being Adam Jonas at 374, I see it high estimate being almost eight bucks. So there's like, is a quite a, a, a discrepancy of what people think will happen this year. And that's why I, I tweeted it to a degree. I said, this is the year of execution, you know, barring and cross my fingers, barring war or whatever that we dealt with in 2022, the Fed or Omicron in the beginning of the year or shutdowns in Shanghai, a lot of stuff force majeure wise, right? In 2022 and, and, and prior, Cross my fingers and praying for a better life just in general first. But in 2023, if that is behind us in terms of force majeures, Tesla really should have no excuses. Um, you know, you can't really talk about commodity prices this year, uh, skyrocketing, killing any. You can't really talk about logistics, hopefully, this year. So it's the year of execution. Tesla has to prove to the street that their rating, that their that their multiple rating that they have for next for next fiscal for this fiscal year. Um, is given their growth too low, but the street is betting that they're that they're not going to grow a PS um, uh, to to uh, even a degree of what they what they actually project out. Remember, Tesla grows EPS um, year over year. Uh, almost 100 percent 80 plus percent uh, uh almost every that, obviously that's not sustainable forever in perpetuity but let's say you know revenue growth 50 percent long term if you want a peg of one even 40 percent peg of one you're looking at a 40 multiple for a growth story but mm. as it stands right now sub 20 pe let's say give or take uh, the street doesn't believe in that growth story for the next two or three years going forward yeah the Adam Jonas, what what does he list for his three dollar? I think we may have reviewed part of this on your stream last Friday. What was his main reason for that three dollar? What was it, fifteen cents? You said. 315? I think his margin was yeah three seventy seven. Let, let's just me. let's yeah. just let's just round up and say four non gap. I'm not sure if it was gap. Yeah. It probably was gap. Um, but he, I, I think the major point in his model was margin going yeah, down sub twenty five percent gross margin. So okay, I think that's a big big reason of it. So he's expecting some sort of uh, a big drop. Prices come down, costs don't come down nearly as much as the price, um, and so this yep. is going to be a big force driver for for that margin. mechanism of the lower margin. Um, mm -hmm. I wonder how much he's taken into account. Do you have the report up by any chance? Uh, the I can, Jonas yeah. report. I'll pull it or up as we, we talk. Yeah, pull it up and then send it to a uh, yeah, producer wife yeah. here in the background. Yeah, perfect. <clears throat> so I'm I'm wondering like how how is he thinking about the ramp of Berlin and Austin within that context? Because mm. then the assumption there is like okay, as Berlin and Austin, which you know, this is an assumption I'm making, and you guys tell me if I'm incorrect in making this assumption. Berlin and Austin should be significantly more efficient building cars than say Fremont, right? Fremont right now is shipping Model Threes and Model Ys. Uh, or was shipping a lot of Model 3s and Model Ys to Europe and the United States. 
then China started taking over some European sales over time in Shanghai, and it's becoming much more localized. And now uh, a large majority of the of the uh, production for each region should be localized. So now you're having much more efficient factories shipping cars into their 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 localized regions, which number one from a net impact perspective is going to create uh, the cost from a production perspective as low as humanly possible because you're not only leveraging very efficient factories you're also uh, not shipping stuff um you're not shipping stuff <laughs> you're not putting cars on a boat you're not putting cars on nearly as many modes of transport to get it to the customer so i wonder how much of that equation is in his sort of model and and so and if that's the assumption if, if the assumption really is that the uh that those costs are going to be offset to a degree that margins are going to come down what is it three percent four percent from where they were in q3 so that mm -hmm. a three percent margin hit from a total net price perspective is probably lowering the price by like what uh two percent three percent no probably two percent something like that and mm -hmm. so the assumption is perfect yeah can you bring that up beautiful and then zoom in for us yeah you, uh, you might, might need to right click open image a new tab and then zoom in um, but yeah, it's, okay. but so what you're saying is because the factories are more, uh, localized to where they're going to be delivered and less ships. So you're saying right. that, that should, but I'm not sure how much of that falls into OPEX versus a gross margin. That's one thing, uh, you know, I'm all of us sure. should be, should be in cogs. So it should be a lower, a lowering of cogs, right? Cause I think the cogs, the it's the cogs line, the material cost should definitely go into cogs. The transportation costs might go into like, um, Actually, I don't know. I, I wonder if somebody in the comments knows this. Knows this. The transportation cost would that flow through Cogs or would that flow through SGNA? I think um, it might be. Yeah, I. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Love, sure. I would love to get some insight into that. Um, so, anybody in the comments that smarter than us, please let us know. Uh, this is the Adam Jonas report. Um, so this is what the first page here. So he's got a bull case, uh, base case, uh, and then bear case. This is for 2023, right? So if you uh, scroll down a little bit there, producer wife, if you don't mind. Uh, so I'm reading the base case. So he has a $250 price target. This is again, Adam Jonas. Our price target of $250 is comprised of six components. Um, so $139 per share for core Tesla auto business on 7.7 .7 million units in 2030. Okay. Uh, nine percent uh whack. I don't know what that is. You know what that? Wait, average is? cost cap. Thank just, you. Just just his discount rate. Okay. Uh, twelve times twenty thirty exit EBITDA multiple. So he's putting a twelve times uh multiple on twenty thirty exit EBITDA. Um, value, at, yeah. on seven point seven million units. Interesting. Exit yeah. margin EBITDA margin of nineteen point three percent, which is almost ten points lower than where we are today. So obviously, I don't think he's really. Well, okay, we can, we can have a debate on this. Uh, Tesla mobility on $9 of uh, discounted uh, cash flow with 425,000 cars at $1.7 uh, per mile by 2030. That's the robo-taxi. Yep. Uh, Tesla has a third-party supplier at $27 a share. So this is probably like drivetrains, batteries, who knows, uh, SaaS potentially. Mm. Uh, energy at $33 per share. So not a lot of energy growth from from where we, i mean some but not a lot uh, insurance at eight bucks a share and network services at 20 at 33 20 uh, million um i'm blanking on maus 
uh, monetizable active users, I think, of $800 okay. uh, average revenue per user by 2030. By 2030 so, so, you know, that's supercharging, okay. I think, is what he's talking about. Got it. So his 2050 so, uh, is on 7.7 .7 million units, not a lot of energy growth. Okay, but this is sort of his long-term target. Um, where can I find his EPS for the second link I sent you, Cindy? Um, it's just the first, or if you have, oh yeah, you got it. Okay. Yeah. So just on the right hand side, you'll see fiscal year ending in that little table. And it says fiscal year ending next 2023 estimated $3 and 77 cents EPS. Got it. So fiscal year ending, uh, which is towards the bottom of the table on the right. I, I, right yeah. Yep. Perfect. And then a little bit to the left there. Yeah. 1223 estimates. Uh, ESP, so uh, EPS, uh, earnings per share of three dollars and seventy-seven cents, full year twenty twenty-three, uh, mm -hmm. which would be a decrease. So he thinks uh, earnings yeah. per share is going to go down in twenty twenty-three mm -hmm. versus twenty twenty-two, which be a decrease, is yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay, so so my like my point being, there's a disconnect, and who's to say who's right? Because you know, these guys put a lot of money and capital, whether we like it or not, into their modeling, their research. Uh, Adam Jonas historically has been kind of a wide ranging uh, analyst when it comes to Tesla, like kind of given all specs of what could happen. But it is like given what, let's say, Twitter consensus of amongst Tesla bulls admittedly being like, oh, EPS is at least going to grow 30 or 40 percent. It, it's hard to say what they're like they're shaping out next year to be worse than this year for EPS. Um, so obviously we're missing something or they're missing something. It's, it's one of the two. It's hard to see how these are reconcilable. And that's why I'm saying this is the year of execution because I don't really see very many excuses for Tesla at this point. Like Tesla has to execute. And by the end of this year, 12 months from now, what, or 13 months from now, when, when, when the full year EPS comes out, We'll know where where the where everything kind of lies with Tesla and what the EPS growth actually was, and what probably will be one of the hardest um, macro environments twenty twenty three recession uh, wise speaking um, that we've seen in a while, um, not stock market wise, hopefully. <laughs> mm. And so, and so, what I my takeaway from that too is if you can bring it back, bring it back up again. Uh, perfect, thank you. Uh, he's still he's still setting a two hundred fifty dollar price target. Uh, even with those 2023 earnings estimate, which is um, uh, over double where we are today. So that's interesting to me. So even even though he's expecting, at least the way Adam Jonas is looking at the price, even though he thinks that the earnings per share is going to go down year over year, he's still comfortable setting a price target that's double where we are today because of that. Um, you know, I'm assuming he's thinking about the, the long-term growth and he's giving them a, a much higher multiple than they are now. That 250 is probably close to, uh, I mean, so 377 on um earnings per share that's probably close to like a 45 to 50 multiple on earnings something something around there so that's that's interesting to see uh so we're still yeah, quite above where we are today multiple. 66 multiple okay yeah um the, what go ahead yeah. please oh yeah is it like it's it's funny because we talk about analysts and like they look at the current stock price and it's funny because you know, part of me is like, they don't care what the current stock price is. They model based on what they see fit, discount rates changing, blah, 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 EPS estimates changing. But then, of course, there's it's kind of undeniable that as the stock goes further and further away from their target to make it a little bit more reasonable, they'll chase it down. Uh, and vice versa, when the stock was mooning through people's targets for the last year or year and a half ago, let's say, 
then estimates were going up and up and up to kind of chase that it feels like right so um yeah two fit is from 330 to 250 it's a really big discount but of course given 110 on tesla at the moment um it's still <laughs> feel look you know based on how you how you look at the research i mean it's it's still quite the upside and and i'd bet you if tesla did recover to 250 then we'd magically get a bunch of upgrades as well on the street that, and that's what's most interesting to me is that it seems like a lot of these upgrades are based on where the price is now <laughs> it's not really it's it's like because when i think about uh adam's sort of long-term 2030 target uh it doesn't seem like it's changed much he's always been kind of on the on the seven to eight million range and he's sort of been adding um different variables onto the onto the you know like you got the energy you got the the full self-driving stuff um mm -hmm. but he doesn't have that much built in in 2030. that's what that's what's fascinating to me is that mm -hmm. energy full self-driving software as a service energy uh, insurance all this other stuff it's still a small relative per percentage to the entire business versus the versus the you know the full 250 about more than half of that price comes from auto and so the assumption is that auto is still going to dominate well into the 2030s and the rest of the business is not going to really catch up well i mean we have to look at it from their perspective it's not real yet you know for for them to start modeling energy at the levels um, in 2030 that maybe us bulls might think it's just not real like for them to stick their neck out and say this is how many billions of dollars of free cash flow energy by itself will print when it really hasn't shown that to us yet like in terms of execution mm -hmm. it, it's just not their it's not the name of the game for them you know that that's just not what they do and so you know you can call that delta you can call that alpha for us let's say if you know if we're right or alpha for them if if, if they're right let's say or you know now that maybe the shorting opportunity is over, but you, you wanted to talk about mega packs, right? Um, this fiscal year. And, you know, it seems like 10,000 mega packs is kind of the goal for Tesla 2023. Um, you know, a million dollar, a million dollars, let's say ASP uh, on those average selling price, uh, maybe it's more. more. Than that. Yeah. So let's say 10 billion ish and 60 people are saying 50 to 60% gross margin on those. I know that's pulled from code off this top Tesla site, but let's just say 50%. I know that's a, that might even sound absurd, right? Even saying 50%, but let's say it, let's say it is you now four or $5 billion of free cash flow on the bottom line for Tesla, just based on energy this fiscal year where no one's really projecting anything out. Again, it's a big question mark. And you know, you don't really expect these analysts to come out the wazoo and start projecting that in when Tesla really hasn't shown that that's what's that's what first of all they haven't guided for that so you can't really say that they have uh, but also they haven't proven it yet but this is why i think 2023 is shaping up to be such an execution year because if tesla can can really execute on the on the energy side four or five billion dollars there i think they probably do 12 13 14 billion dollars of free cash flow on the car side as well um at you know, 2025 altogether you know the bull estimate let's say some might say more and then it depends on okay well what kind of multiple do you want to give to that for a company that also has 20 billion in cash sitting on hand so um yeah. you know these are the questions but it's it all comes down to execution this year yeah i couldn't agree more i think i think that's a that's a brilliant way of putting it it's like now that now that everything is lining up exactly to where tesla's strengths are should start to kick in which is in a market where theoretically if there is going to be any price pressure it, theoretically there's going to be you know multiple markets you're selling into 
the sort of the efficiency of the building, or the efficiency of the manufacturing, the securing of the supply chain, the technology on the building of vehicles, the technology around making your own cell, the gig of casting, the single, you know, the single piece, um, you know, the, the, the single piece casting and the structural battery pack, um, the alien dreadnought, the, the Model 3 refresh, all these things should really, and Cybertruck and energy, right? Um, all these things should start to coalesce around, especially if you compare it to the rest of the industry, it should become a, a sh very bright shining light that says, look at what all of, the, all, all of our investments in time, energy, and knowledge, what the, what the result is. And then it becomes up and it comes, you know, it's on the market to decide how they want to price that uh, capability of not just being theoretically very far and ahead of the competition, but also being able to be a giant cash cow uh, selling those products and entering those markets with those products. Uh, I couldn't agree with, with you more there. I think I think execution is 2023, especially with Elon and Twitter. And, uh, you know, uh, how one of my feelings is that Tesla has the most talented workforce in the world. You're right. Like, okay, time to show it. <laughs> it's and, your year, baby. <laughs> and what, like, what was one thing in common with every one of those things that you mentioned? Highlander, Cybertruck, Energy, all the things that that's in common with those. Tesla has to prove itself on those. We we might believe in the engineering team for sure, and and I, I think we do. But Tesla has to go out, execute, prove themselves that like, look, this Cybertruck that we all know is probably coming middle of this year, fall of this year, whatever it might be. I've kind of set my expectations, by the way, around uh, July 4th, Canada, that kind of area. Mm. I mean, maybe I'm too bullish on that, but I've That'd been be waiting sick. for a of her, right? Like, but anyways, Tesla has, to, Tesla has to execute, right, uh, um, on these things for these to actually start uh, being reflected by the street. And remember, the street really owns mega caps. Like, you know, whether we agree with it or not, the, the street really dictates where Tesla stock price will go, um, at least in the short term. So, and I see Dan correcting me in the comments saying Megapack 2.6 million or, or 2 million if bought in groups of 10. Yeah. I guess I misphrased. I, I'm, I'm talking about just the margin aspect of what comes from the Megapack. So, fair enough. I mean, I'm, it, it, like literally, but well, that makes a billion point. Uh, if it's 50% margins, uh, that's a million. That's at least a million per mega pack, which is like bananas. That's a bananas number. Um, and I, and I, so Sandy Monroe, uh, the Monroe team's doing a live stream on uh, Friday from CES, and they've sort of asked to field questions uh, from you know some people. And my question to Sandy and the team was, um, could you give us some guidance on how you guys are thinking about how much money Tesla could make on energy? Like you guys, you know, obviously are specialized on costing out cars and stuff but if you really think about what it takes what it takes to build a a stationary battery pack you don't have any moving parts really you just have pumps you know to try with the coolant to ensure the battery doesn't explode but outside of that what else do you have you have batteries and you have a protective casing and some auxiliary stuff in the middle hmm. so it's, it seems like to me that that the that the cost and the steps and the processes required to build a stationary battery pack are limited and so it becomes a question of okay what what is what is the cost benefit analysis of it, of this energy in relation to how much money a utility can save and how much a customer could benefit from the utility using this product and from at least from what i know and you know you've correct me if i'm wrong and everybody else correct me if i'm wrong 
Um, I'm going to use the United States as an example. The United States is a first world country. It's the richest country on earth. And the electric grid is kind of garbage. <laughs> it's kind of a hot mess. You drive around, there's, you know, especially in the Northeast, when we used to live in Pennsylvania, mm. all you have to do is look around and you have these like freaking just, I don't know, it just everything looks old. Everything looks mm. really old. It's been there for decades, if not a hundred years in some areas. It's, I would not call it a modern uh, grid for uh, for deploying electricity or even generating electricity. There's still, you know, a lot of places are using peaker plants, you know, and they're using coal in a lot of the area uh, areas. And, you know, especially in Texas, you, I don't have to tell you about freaking, uh, uh, yeah. what is it? Uh, <laughs> what did we call it during that? I forget, a COVID uh, something, Snow, Snowvid. We, it was Snow, the name okay, Snowvid because right. it was the huge freeze during yes. COVID. We called the Snowvid. Right. You know, the grid went down for freaking four yeah. days. And it was because uh, they weren't able to uh, deal with the peaks and stuff. So uh, long way of saying that there's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity, not just in the United States, but in a lot of countries around the world to improve the grid and to mm -hmm. do a lot of things to really get those things up to speed. And now that Tesla essentially has uh, the ability to produce the most number of battery cells in the world on their own. Theoretically, this gives them an economy of scale for this product that is far beyond what anybody else could do. So the question becomes, compare the cost-benefit analysis of this battery and put it next to a grid that is super old and has a ton of opportunity. If Tesla can offer something that allows utilities to, say, lower their costs by 10 to 15%, but they can do so in a product that is significantly cheaper than building out a peaker plant. That gap is profit. That gap is margin. And that's why I think, you know, and then you layer on the fact that it's not that hard to compare to a car to build a freaking stationary battery pack. Why wouldn't it have 50% margins? Why wouldn't it have 60% margins? Am I thinking about this incorrectly? I would love to hear your thoughts on this a little bit, Yash, if you haven't. Yeah, I mean, that's the best part of utility um, is that at the end of the day, it's just dollars and cents. Brand loyalty is not really a thing when all you care about is getting electricity uh, at the cheapest price possible. So you're right. Um, and that's why I think the mega packs really speak for themselves. And um, once they are pumping those out, um, you know, it, it's, it, yeah, it's going to sell like hotcakes should they be up to spec. And, you know, we talked about the mega packs and the IRA as well, right? They, they, they also give credits based on um, kilowatt hours there, I believe. I think it's like $30 per kilowatt hour or whatever produced. Uh, so it is substantive in terms of uh, the government rebates off of that as well. The mega packs are great, but you know, it's funny because I, I don't even like project for energy in my model because uh, like, I just don't understand the unit economics of it as well as I'd like to. And I am really looking forward to when Tesla, let's say, does start having unit economic profit off of their energy side of the business and diving deeper into uh, you, you you know, how many units of the mega packs or, you know, there's just so many different aspects, maybe solar, maybe roofs, like there's just so many different aspects of the, of the energy business that I still have yet to understand. And, and someone says in the comments, um, Matt Smith is the best. He absolutely is. I did a whole he session is. with him uh, on the channel. That's his background. So it's exciting, right? But you, but amidst everything that's happening, it seems like the focus is not on, uh, on that as much as it is on, um, you know, uh, insert Twitter story or geopolitical story or Fed. And it does seem like that is front and foremost of everything that's happening um, around any stock, 
but especially Tesla. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Matt Smith, uh, for sure. Cause he, he is a great resource. I should have him on next week. I should bring him on. Let's, I'm going to check sure. with him if he's available. Cause he, he, he did work in the, in the, uh, energy sector. So he's super mm -hmm. familiar with this. Maybe we can pick his brain on this. Um, Along the same topic of energy, I want to I want to do a quick thought exercise here. So, uh, producer wife, if you can bring up the link I just posted in the private chat uh, for me, real quick. So this is uh, Tesla's earnings. Go down to page twenty three, if you could, please. Um, twenty three, perfect. So this is um, Tesla's statement of operations. This is uh, for uh, up through quarter three, twenty twenty two. For those that are not familiar in reading this, this is basically Tesla's. Uh, every every quarter as a public company, they have to publish this form that basically describes this is how much we sold in these places. This is how much it cost us to to sell these places. And uh, and then at the bottom is how much money we're making from these places. So the net income attribute, uh, I can't talk, net income to common stockholders, that bottom number is basically how much money the company has made. But there are two lines there that I, I want us to pay, uh, pay attention to. So under revenues, there is uh, energy generation and storage, which is one, two, three, four, about five, six lines down. Energy generation and storage. If we go all the way over to quarter three, that is uh, $1.117 billion uh, of sales from that uh, part of the business. And then if we go to the section right below where it says cost of revenues, that's how much it would cost them to sell those units. So if we go to energy generation and storage, it's $1.013. Uh, so it, it they sold 1.117 in energy, and it cost them 1.013 to sell 1.117. And so the margin, basically how much money they're making on that, is the top line minus the bottom line divided by the top line. So it's basically they've made about a hundred bucks, a hundred million, excuse me, not a hundred bucks, a hundred million on 1.117, which is roughly nine percent, nine percent margin. So on, in quarter three, Tesla has made 9% margin on energy products. And so the only reason why I bring this up is for folks that are sort of into the energy discussion and trying to understand, hey, I keep hearing guys talk about mega pack, and this is going to be a giant part of the business. This is where you want to look to when Tesla starts releasing their quality reports uh, moving forward. So come January 25th, which by the way, Yashu is going to be on our mega stream with uh, uh, Nick Gibbs and others as well that will join us look for news on that uh look for that line and then take the top number minus it by the, bo the bottom number and then take the difference and divide it into the top number and that tells you the the margin on how much they're making and so theoretically if if, if we're correct or let's just say i'm correct because i don't want to put words in yashu's mouth but let's say i'm correct and i'm and i you know and there's the assumption that it's going to be very very cheap to uh, build out the energy storage in relation to how much you're going to be able to charge for it, then the gap between the top number and the bottom number should be very, very big. They should be able to sell it for a lot more than it costs them. And so that's what I'm going to I'm going to be looking at that line like a hawk in 2023. Honestly, that's going to be my most interest. I'm the most interested in that subset because mm. Elon and the team have been talking about energy forever. They've They've been saying it's going to be probably just as big, if not bigger than the car business over time. And with the Lathrop facility coming online in California and all these rumors around how many mega packs they're building and how much money they're making, that line better be, it better get big. <laughs> it better yeah. get big, which really the fascinating part about this is that 
um, if you talk to any bears or if you talk to anybody who follows Tesla kind of loosely and they're sort of like, well, should be valued the same as Ford and GM, which, by the way, we can have a discussion around. And I can very quickly say you're crazy for saying that because look at their debt load. Look at Tesla's debt load. Literally, that's insane. But whatever. That's a, And plus, they don't have really any, any electric vehicles, but we can talk about that another day. Um, that energy business becomes a new variable that gets introduced to the valuation of Tesla that I don't think... When is the last time a company has been able to have these giant industries from a manufacturing perspective that are so diverse but are centered around the same exact technology you know uh how's that what is that going to do to valuations how are people going to value it? it might be the first time in history that uh there's a company like this one that does both these giant industries rooted from the same supply chain i don't know well well i think that's why tesla's always commanded and historically speaking at least a premium on their multiple because of their tam possibility with energy but to answer your question i think one company i think of right off the bat is amazon amazon was in the book business and online uh, online retailer but if you really do a deep dive on their financials and admittedly i haven't in the last couple quarters uh, a large percentage of their bottom line their net income is is aws related cloud services related had an if it's really not for aws amazon uh, does not make as much money on the bottom line as they do and if you look at aws as a percentage of revenue it, it's not consequential enough to to really account for and aws might be more uh, analogous to dojo one day as a service uh, or fsd maybe uh, as well but you're right for the energy side of the business like the sky's really the limit because if the unit economics on the, on the energy side makes sense it really doesn't matter who like what brand it is people are going to buy the thing that saves them money on their utilities um but again like i said i mean this is like the fifth time i've said it uh, already execution is key this year tesla has to prove it and can't be a theoretical thing anymore uh, based on, oh, Tesla has this pumping up or has this ramping. Of course, as investors, that's our alpha that we're, that we're I guess, betting on is like, this is going to happen. But the, for the street, at least, they're like, let's see it. Yeah. Uh, page 10, if you could, producer wife. Uh, this is oh, Amazon's, um, Amazon's uh, latest quarter three earnings report. So Yash is talking about uh, one of the analogies between Tesla energy and uh uh, you know, Tesla with its energy business and then Amazon with its AWS business. For those that are not familiar, AWS is basically Amazon Web Services. The reason why you're even able to watch this thing right now is because this stream is probably running on an AWS server somewhere. <laughs> and so who would have thought a book, uh, a, a store that sells books would eventually make money from providing server services to um, to streamers? So if you can zoom in a little bit there. Um, so it's a little bit easier for us to see that. Uh, perfect. Yeah. So, uh, and then scroll up a little bit so I can see the headers there. Perfect. So three months end of September 30th. So 2021 is last year's basically Q3 and 2022 is going to be last this year's Q3. If we look at the, um, net sales from North America, which is the first line, you can see that in 2022, which is the second column. Amazon has done 78 million, uh, excuse me, 78 billion, $843 in one quarter <laughs> of sales in North America, but it costs them 
it operating it cost them 79 billion so they actually lost 412 million dollars selling their stuff through their you know amazon business like when you go on and you do same day delivery they actually lost 400 million dollars which with within the scope of 78 billion dollars sold it ain't that much it's like less than one percent so they have like a negative point uh, 0.5 percent margin and then the the next section below is international so how many how much they sold outside of the us and then the last one the last line this is where it gets super interesting is aws this is the amazon web services as as a total a business amazon if you add up the north american international if you add up the north american net sales and international net sales you can see that 78 billion plus 27 billion roughly is about 100 billion dollars of revenue just from their warehouse business like selling to you with amazon prime and then 20 million, 20 billion dollars in the same quarter came from their Amazon Web Services. But what's the huge difference here? The first two sections, uh, Amazon has lost 412 million plus 2.5 billion internationally, which is actually that's a pretty significant number. So they've lost close to three billion dollars selling you stuff on Prime. And then on the bottom, 20% of their sales, that 20 million roughly they actually made 5.4 billion dollars from that business so 20 percent of their business is making over it's basically making infinitely more money <laughs> than their yeah. prime business how crazy is that than the right yeah it's nuts yeah and pe people are saying the stream is running on google's cloud network i think Farzad's talking okay. about uh streamyard <laughs> at least because streamyard is what we're using it's just an example yeah, but yeah, but the but yeah. but you're right. All so look at their operating income. It's it's all it, it's actually even greater than the point I was trying to make. All, all of it, um, if it not if it's not for AWS and and their money that they make there, um, you know, we're talking uh, really, and that's kind of been the knock on Amazon for a while. It's like, oh, they don't make any money, but they're growing. Like, what's the question here? And people are like, look at their EBITDA instead of looking at their net income. It's if. People don't like to give this credit, but like the story of Amazon and Tesla have more commonalities than people like to give it credit for on the come up, at least. Uh, I know you hate Bezos, so you probably want to deny oh, that. Oh, I but... hate him so much. I'm kidding. I actually... <laughs> <laughs> the dude's yoked, I've also... bro. <laughs> but I've also, I've also, for this Amazon example, unless there's anything you wanted to add here, I wanted to look Please, at Amazon's go. historical PE. Because I think that's a, maybe a good indicator um, of maybe what's what's to come. Because I, I, I've, I'm looking at Amazon's historical PE here on on macro trends, and uh, Cindy, I've sent the link here in the chat. Um, no rush. But really, the PE is, and of course, you have to take this with, with a grain of salt because Amazon really, for a while, didn't make any net income for their EPS. It was it was EBITDA related because of uh, after everything, they were technically losing money, right? But if you look at their PE on the bottom there, and I'm I'm I go back, and of course we can go, we can talk about the last little bit, last five or six years, and their PE being a hundred or seventy-five or sunny sixty is kind of the lower end of the PE that Amazon has garnered. But I'm really like looking towards the 2010s and the 2011s and 2012s post recession, trying to see like, okay, what sort of PE was Amazon getting back then? And really, I think the lowest I could find is a 45 PE in 2010, uh, middle of 2010. This is tra trailing 12? Uh, this is, uh, yes. Yeah. So it'll be Amazon's PE for the last 12 um, months EPS versus the average price in that quarter, I think, is the way that they calculate it. Got it. So, uh, so that bottom graph there, you'll see if you hover over t maybe the third dot over 2012, uh, yeah, 30, yeah, right there, 45 PE, I think is the lowest I could find for Amazon. So 
And, and that's one side of the story. And if you compare this to Apple, though, I found, and if you just throw an Apple into that little that little search bar where it says search for ticker, Apple during the same period had, well, I, I guess I'll, maybe I've already spilled the beans too, but can you guess how low their PE was uh, around then? Under 20. <laughs> Under 10. Under 10. Oh, shit, you're right. Look at um, uh, oh, wow. a couple. Of, yeah, there we go. 8.6. Exactly. So two different stories, both growth stories in a, in a degree. And maybe this warrants a deeper dive on my end. And someone in the comments, I'm sure, would know more about this and 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 the multiple that, the, that each were commanding back then. But um, it's interesting to see the dichotomy. And, and admittedly, I guess one aspect of this could be explained by just basic. I mean, Amazon really with their, with their EPS wasn't like EPS was not the main metric that bulls were evaluating amazon for for a while because they would just expense everything uh, so it's really mostly their ebitda i guess but apple uh, it's interesting to see under a 10 pe isn't it that's fascinating actually what's more interesting is the more they've grown and the bigger they've gotten and the more their growth has slowed the higher their pe has gotten mm. how do you explain that well, money printers to a degree. I mean, when the Fed started printing more money, you'll see 2020 and be, and after is really when the multiple went into high gear, just more money in the market, more more money supply. Um, maybe that's a portion of it. But it's just Amazon versus uh, Apple is just a, a, a crazy, and someone says buybacks, maybe. Uh, but mm. it, it is crazy to just look at the the difference between the two. And I think it's it's a really interesting debate. Yeah. So can you hover over the last one there, producer wife, all the way to the right for uh, Apple? So this is as of, uh, is oh my God, that's the European style. That's April 1st, ain't it? Uh, or is that January 4th? Can you go back one to one dot to the left? Oh no. Wait, what? September 30th. Yeah. So it's just, it's three months ended on the quarter is, is the way that they just label it. Oh, 2023. I keep thinking we're in 2020. Damn it. I'm still not used to the new year. Yeah. Okay. Got yeah. it. Oh, geez. <laughs> so if you go to the last dot again uh, for me. So, so as of this, like literally yesterday, they're at a PE of 20. Apple is. Okay. Yes. Fascinating. Yep. So, so which one? So if you, when you think about Tesla's like future prospects into the, like the twenties, do you think it's going to follow something closer to Apple? Or do you think it's going to follow something closer to Amazon? Cause like, I'm wondering if during the 2010s, some of the equation was also like, yeah, the PE was below 20. But that's because they were just printing. They were having such giant earnings that the price was not catching up to how many earnings they had, right? Because during that time period, I mean, Apple was talking. You're talking about a cash cow. I mean, my God, that was like Steve Jobs' decade, really, towards the beginning, especially. So, how do you, how do you think about where Tesla could land between those two examples we just went to went through? Tesla's kind of in the middle of those two. Like, I I continue to look at like 2010 ish because. I that's kind of what I'm looking at post recession is like, okay. And I've, mind you, this, this was the 08, 09, like the biggest, uh, re like recessionary period, biggest crash in, in my history, at least. Right. And, and, and the last really big one, um, and that was more of a systemic recession problem with subprimes and all this stuff. So, you know, maybe that's not even what we're talking about here with, with the recession coming up and maybe it's a big fat nothing burger, but I Veggie look burger. at it. Impossible burger and <laughs> Apple and Amazon. Tesla's kind of in between when it comes to multiples right now. But the reason why I say Amazon and Tesla have a lot of commonalities is because Amazon bulls were Amazon bulls to, to my recollection. And if someone was an Amazon bull in 2015 or whatever around, then feel free to let us know. We're kind of singing the same praises of of 
well, you're not looking at Amazon's profitability. That's not what matters here. Look at their revenue growth. Look at the AWS. Look at this business. Like this is what matters in the long haul. And so, and I think this is Tesla's that uh, Cindy pulled up here. So right. Tesla, yeah. So now we're sitting at, uh, well, forward PE is a little bit different, but yeah, 20 something, right? So 33, I think the trailing. So there we go. Yeah. So I don't know to answer your question or where, where to look at this. And I guess it's for the market to decide. It's for the street to decide where they, where it lies. But, you know, I'm not sure. I'm curious to get your thoughts. Yeah, this is where, this is where like 2022, has been a very big learning year for me is that it doesn't matter how I feel about what the like the what the correct price earnings is for the stock and how much I could justify the market's going to do whatever the market decides is going to do and in a bear in a in a bear market it's going to be way lower than a bull thinks it should be that was my biggest takeaway so uh and obviously macro is, is having a lot to do with that as well so um I, honestly I don't know I it, it's it's tough for me to like figure out um how the market's going to price this beast because it all turned it's all hinging on how it goes back to your point the execution if tesla can grow earnings faster than the market expects it to then theoretically the trailing pe should go up you know that's how i think about it as long as the market feels that tesla's long-term prospects are secure and its ability to generate cash is secure and their ability to come out with a bunch of different products that are going to continue to generate cash for it is secure that its competition is not going to eat away its demand you know all of these different things the market has to believe that and so mm -hmm. for me i'm kind of i'm kind of on the same boat i think i think it's probably going to be somewhere in between that the apple story and the amazon story only be, only because again I, i'm hinging on this fact that um tesla's ability i believe in the future to generate profits and to generate cash is going to be the, the surprise of 2023. I really think so. Even with Elon coming out on the space and saying, well, in, in a world where there is a severe recession like 20, 2009, we're going to you know forego any profits on the auto business and then go for units versus margin, which to me just said, hey, we're just in such a good financial position that we can sell stuff at a loss and we'll be fine. That was my takeaway. It wasn't necessarily that, hey, this is what we're going to do. And so the, the question becomes how how is the market going to price that when the business could theoretically continue to grow 30%, 40%, who knows, maybe even 50% like they've been talking about uh, year after year, especially with the introduction of a robotaxi and with the introduction of the Cybertruck and with the uh, ramping of energy and with the adoption of full self-driving. And these are, these are ifs, right? These are ifs, but um, mm -hmm. I just don't see how those things don't get done. Like, could you, can you imagine, can you imagine what's going to happen once Tesla announces that compact car, which I, I want to get your thoughts on the March 1st thing that was announced here, the investor day. Can you imagine what the reservations are going to be for this car once it gets announced as compact car, which we all know is being worked on and which we, we all know is going to be part of their strategy to get to 20 million cars per year. It's going to be crazy. If Cybertruck has 1.5 million reservations worldwide, what does what is this compact car going to do <laughs> it's going to have millions <laughs> it's going to have millions so perhaps that's going to be the big the big sort of um moment where this starts to shift is once that robo taxi and the compact car gets announced and they're like and i'm hopefully it's an on investor day because they directly talked about that gen 3 platform when they when they announced the date of this of this event um, maybe that's the signal that says, holy crap, this thing did a million reservations in the last 24 hours, or it did 2 million reservations in the last 24 hours. 
okay, so you know, you take that with, you know, within the context of a, for example, Model 3, it had a hundred and I think, what is it, like half a million reservations within the first 24 hours or something, if I remember correctly. Um, that turned out to be Model 3 is doing roughly, roughly half a million cars per year. So that reservation number should be a one-to-one -one relationship to how many units it should do every year. I mean, it's that's a loose sort of, uh, very loose non-scientific analysis, but that's how I think about Cybertruck. Cybertruck theoretically, theoretically, if the Model 3 example reservation is correct, could have up to 1.5 million units sold per year. Don't take it from me. Like I am, I'm not gospel here. I might be speaking out of my ass, which I often do, and I'm sorry for that, but I'm just trying my best to figure out what's going on. But if, if that's the right correlation, then boy, then RoboTaxi and the compact car are going to do some crazy numbers. They're going to do some ridiculous numbers. So first, a lot of good points. First to tie it to just tie the bow here on the Amazon thing. I see a comment from Robert Hansen saying, Tesla is a cyclical auto company with falling earnings in a recession, more dilutions as insiders sell. Technically not true, but I get your point. Elon slashing prices to main production. Um, regression to the mean means another 50% down question mark. So the Amazon story ties into this because the 0809 crash, you saw Amazon stocks still go up. Um, and the reason for that, I think, um, because if you look at like what's the worst thing that could could have happened from the from the recession back then is consumer demand going down, right? People not wanting to buy stuff, you know, if, you know, incomes, uh, jobs lost, incomes down. Uh, people are not going to want to buy things on Amazon, or so you think. But Amazon still grew during that period, and though it was a recessionary period, Amazon still grew because at the end of the day, there was cost savings I think to be had on Amazon for consumers to buy their goods on Amazon versus going to XYZ store, corner store, buying it there. And so I think Tesla has potentially a, an, a, an analogous story here in the sense where if we're heading into a recession, the cost of car ownership is already high. Uh, maintenance is high. Um, labor's, uh, cost of labor is high to fix your gas cars. Uh, gas is already an additional cost that you have to pay, albeit it's not as high as it was six or, or 12 months ago for gas prices. But there's real cost savings to be had with going electric. I'm just going to leave Tesla out of it and just say electric. So what we're going to see, I think, is the electric market uh, uh, really benefit this recession uh, because it's gonna, there's going to be cost savings or at least there's going to be higher residual values for people's cars um, versus buying a gas car. Because if you buy a gas car two or three years later, 30%, 40% depreciation. Maybe you could get sold on the idea of if you buy an electric, albeit whatever brand it is, it only depreciates 10 or 20% in the same time period. Um, so there's that. So I, there, you know, the, basically the bottom line is I think Tesla could still grow in a recession uh, and outs and outstandingly so, relatively speaking. Um, and then to your point about um, uh, the compact. How much does that matter when it gets announced? I'll be honest. When it gets announced, I'll be excited. But I, I'm like, I want to see actual timelines met with products before I get too excited too fast. I was excited about the Cybertruck, man. Uh, and and here we are still waiting for the Cybertruck, albeit in the grand scheme of life, it's not a big deal and force majeure has happened. But I think what's more exciting is to actually know a timeline will be met for the next product line that they announce. And I think Tesla is being very careful with not announcing this compact uh, that mm. supposedly is out there until they released or, or until they deliver the first few batches of Cybertrucks, I think. I don't think Tesla wants a scenario 
where they're forced to talk about another car hitting pre-orders when they haven't delivered on their Cybertruck yet. And Roadster, someone's going to say Roadster in the comments. Forget about Roadster for now, folks. It's, it's not going to happen. It, 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 it's, it's a dessert level vehicle. Elon's kind of even said it himself, right? It's like the at the end of the line kind of priority. So will I be excited? For sure. Will I hold my breath for it? No. But I hope Tesla proves everyone, including me, wrong where when they announce it, it's not a long time for 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 production line for production lines actually hitting on those. Um, and I'll also I think um, it'll be a China specific vehicle first. I, I think Shanghai um, Giga Shanghai probably will lead the charge on that compact first and foremost. I don't think it'll be a North American story just yet, because if you look at China, I think there's a need for that Chinese type of car. I was listening to Matt and Emmett's Good Soil interview um, with a former t a Tesla Giga Shanghai worker uh, manager, and he was saying how you know uh, the Chinese consumers like to buy newer model stuff. It's not about it's like the model three and why everyone's like oh yeah i kind of had it the plaid maybe but it's like they want to buy like the new model right it's just for the sake of buying it and i think tesla uh, and tom zoo i posted a video i, I watched the tom zoo uh, interview last night in chinese subtitles don't worry i don't speak mandarin <laughs> and he was saying how he wants there to be a tesla or a china specific model that people can look at when you look at this car, you're like, oh, that's Japanese. Oh, that's a muscle car. It's American. He wants a Chinese version, uh, a Chinese model where Chinese people can be proud of this model is like unique to their country. Right. And so there's a lot going on there. But I think uh, I reckon we probably hear something soon. Yeah, there it is. Thanks for pulling it up. So you don't have to pull up audio on that. Trust me, no one's gonna no one's gonna understand it uh, unless you. Speak, you underestimate uh, my multiple language. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, actually, Matt Smith actually speaks fluent Chinese. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. It's wild. That's crazy. And he ta he taught me how to pronounce Tom's proper last name. It's it's Jew or Jew something like Tom that. Tom Jew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it right, Josh. And so, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, but no, but but that's it. I mean, it's uh, yeah. to answer your question, and so. For me, forget about me. What will the street think? I think the street will really get excited with the compact because all of a sudden now they can plug and play in stuff in their models where it's like, okay, well, 30,000, 35,000. Okay, and we can see market penetration here, uh, quite uh, advanced market penetration that is um, into uh, into the segment because right now they look at fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 cars and they go, are we really going to talk about 10 million cars, 20 million cars at these price points? I don't think so. Where, where does that stop? So, uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. Uh, and even, by the way, uh, a semi or, or a Tesla um, um, uh, Sprinter van, which has been kind of rumored as well from Giga Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. I, a lot of really great points. I do, I, on the robo taxi topic or the contact car. I think launching it in China first makes so much sense. And I agree with you 100%. Because you think about the other market, China and Europe. I think China and Europe, that that uh, compact car is going to just do so freaking well. Uh, especially, you think about Europe and, um, you know, the, the the roads are just tight. <laughs> There's not a lot of room. Most European countries, especially Western European countries, compact cars do extremely well. So you're, you know, Volkswagen Golfs and you're, uh, Renault, uh, Zoe's and your Peugeot 206s and all those, whatever, you know, whatever they got mm -hmm. going on right now. Um, so that compact car is going to do extremely well. Uh, so, and I don't see it coming to America probably for at least a couple of years, but what are the chances this compact car, like if, if your sort of hope is correct and 
you know, during this investor day on March 1st, which uh, producer wife, if you can bring up the link for that again, it's on discord. It's one of the first ones that we showed yesterday about um, Tesla announcing the investor day uh, on March 1st, the verbiage specifically on there says uh, gen three platform, which the way I read is compact car robo taxi come learn more about that so in theory there should be some sort of announcement that says hey this is what we've been working on under wraps for the last couple of weeks or a couple of years and you know god this would be incredible if they're like and uh we're going to um show this uh, we're going to start launching this in china in first quarter of 2024 or in fourth quarter of 2023. Uh, that's probably a very aggressive timeline, but that sort of verbiage I think is going to be very helpful, especially with the Cybertruck launching in the US this year. Cybertruck and Model Y, I really think in the US, it's going to be, it's just going to sell so much into the market that Tesla, I think if Tesla decided to bring the robo taxi to the states as well, they could seriously have an issue with like production. <laughs> they really, they really won't be able to to do that. And I think maybe maybe Tesla has been scarred from having those crazy lead, lead times and wait times. You know, especially as we see it now with all the different things that they're doing around trying to reduce wait times for customers. Robo taxi in the U.S. when you have Model Y and Cybertruck on the wings is like it doesn't make especially with the ira ev tax credit and if it gets fixed and the 5c model y actually is able to take advantage of the credit forget it mm-hmm. real quick for the folks that are listening uh this is the tesla announces date for 2023 investor day we plan to host tesla's 2023 investor day on march 1st 2023 the event will be live streamed from our gigafactory texas with the option for some of our institutional and retail investors to attend in person details to follow our investors will be able to see our most advanced production line as well as discuss long-term expansion plans, generation three platform, capital allocation, and other subjects with our leadership team. So uh, most advanced production line is gonna be whatever they're doing right now with Model Y. Shout out a thousand live viewers, by the way. Thank you very much for joining us. We just hit a thousand. Um, as well as discuss long-term expansion plans, Gigafactories, uh, maybe master plan part three, generation three platform. I don't know how that's not RoboTaxi compact car and capital allocation, which sounds like buybacks, maybe dividend, and other subjects with mm-hmm. our leadership team, which could be, I don't know, uh, whatever, Twitter, who knows. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, this to me sounds like compact car, man. I don't know. Am I, am I reading incorrectly into this? Uh, do you think they really would announce something like that on an investor day? I just am skeptical that they would give the, 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 the pleasure of announcing something like that on a random investors day to me this investors day though i applaud them doing it and i think it makes a lot of sense given the turmoil <laughs> it's kind of been um it just feels like a reactive event for now for me um and that's mm. fine I, I not everything has to be proactive and whatever it just feels like it's this is kind of like them trying to save face a little bit with what's gone on in the last little bit and the mess that it's been. And that's okay because not everyone can get everything perfect. And and I think they're trying to make things right by being more communicative, but it just feels like one of those for, for the generation three platform. I think they'll talk about the structural 4680 battery pack and, and gear castings, but I don't think they'll go as far to say, and yeah, it's going to be, you know, compact that looks like this, that is going to be released in China that will have this price point, And this is our timeline on it. I think it'll be a loose, like Altium, like, you know, how GM talks about like their Altium, uh, their kind of Altium platform. And, you know, it, it'll be on all these cars like this. I think it'll be more about the tech side of it and the margins, but I don't think they'll go, pardon me. I don't think they'll go as far to say 
this is the compact released in China. This is what we're thinking it's going to look like, and this is the timeline on it. Um, at least, at least, maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but that's just my thoughts. Yeah, I I could see where you're coming from, but I just then why include a generation three platform verbiage? You know, like why 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 not just say our investors will be able to see our most advanced production line as well as discuss long term ex, uh, expansion plans, potential product lines, and capital allocation and other subjects. Like why call out Generation Three platforms uh, so like strictly? You know, that's that's kind of where my head goes to. And um, I don't know. I mean, I can see where you're coming from because it is an investor day. It's not like. We're launching, but at the same time, I wonder what you think about this. What if Tesla is just going out of their way to ensure that they're not hyping up this uh, cheaper model too much because it could cannibalize three and Y sales in like places like China, and everybody's just yeah. waiting. You know, what do well, you think about that? Yeah, that's what Moon says. This is really an uh, Osborne effect, and I think that's that's correct. I think, uh, look. I would love for Tesla to, to adopt the Apple model. And I know it's probably not reasonable to assume that this is even possible for a car company versus a, a phone company. But the Apple model is they announce their new product lines and within a month or two, they're ready to get shipped out to the customers. Like it's a, it's like, we're, you know, Apple doesn't announce something that's gonna be two years away. Like that's just not the way they work. When they announce something, they capitalize on that hype and they go, we're ready to, to ship these guys in the next couple of months. Now, of course, these are cars we're talking about with huge manufacturing lines. Like, it's not, probably not reasonable to say, like, oh, a phone built in a factory and a car with these huge lines can have the same uh, product unveiling strategy. But I think the Generation plat 3 platform still sounds vague enough to me. Like, I don't know why you're thinking it has to be specific on a product. It sounds vague enough for me to say, oh, eventually the 3, the Y... Uh, and the future compact will all use this uh, type of platform that we have that's 4680 driven, structural driven. And and I think they can they can talk in general, kind of talking more generalities that way. If they said, oh, but future product lines, then people would jump the gun, I think, on that more than if they just said Gen 3 platform. Mm. I don't know. I could see that, too. I'm just I'm just really excited for it. <laughs> I'm really excited for that day. I think I think the comment you made about it being reactive is 100% correct. I, I, I couldn't agree more that the one point Alexandra made on yesterday's stream is that there's two fascinating things happening this year. One is this investor day, which is the last time they did anything like this was back in 2019 to try and like, you know, uh, I guess cater to the investing base and put them at ease a little bit and be like, hey, check it, you know, just calm down a little bit. We got this. Um, and uh, they moved up their yearly annual shareholder meeting to may which is mm. um which is nine months from the previous date so it's less than a year which is another interesting thing so i think they, they are listening to the feedback of hey the communication is crazy right now we don't mm -hmm. know what's going on and uh help us out a little bit which i think is really cool for the company to react to that if that's the case if not then whatever but it's good that they're doing this because i think it really does help the invested community stay focused on the long term it shouldn't up it shouldn't be up to the community to hold itself accountable for that the company needs to be it's a public company and it should do some work to ensure that the community that's become a little divided stays on the prize that's the company's job <laughs> not the community's job even though a lot of us try to do that anyway because you know we're trying our best to through, see through the noise but if the company ain't helping how are we supposed to freaking hold ourselves accountable to it poll results we ran this poll um earlier in the stream what will be tesla's earnings per share in 2023 so uh 
the mo- the one that got the most responses, 43% of poll respondents, 353 votes. They think it'll be somewhere between five bucks and eight bucks, which is significantly mm-hmm. higher than Adam Jonas's uh, $3 and some odd cents, 373 or something. But of course, we're all Tesla bull, so I'm not ex- uh, ex- uh, surprised about that. 32% think between three and five, which is right around that range. Uh, 12% think over $8, which, um, yeah, so not, not, not a lot of like crazy optimism, which is co- cool to see. And then 10% think less than three bucks, which uh, 10% of folks are uh, not as um, encouraged by the 2023 outcomes. And I'm guessing because of the potential recession demands and uh, recession mm-hmm. issues and demand problems potentially that we could have in three for th- or in 2023. Thank you very much, mm-hmm. producer wife, for bringing this poll up. Um, what, what do you want to hit before we hit q and Is there something on your mind you want to hit before we start answering some uh, crowd questions? No, not really. I think we can we can hit up questions. Okay, awesome. So yeah, let's uh, let's start doing some uh, Q and A. We'll do like a little extended Q and A here because uh, Yashu is such a good sport. Can I have you for like 20, 30 more minutes? Is that okay with Absolutely. you? Absolutely, sure. Okay, awesome, perfect. So we'll do an extended Q and A for the Juju Gang. So drop your questions in the in the section below, in the comment section below. Make sure you type question before your question, so it's easy for us to pick out. And then producer wife will pick out only the best ones, only the best ones, and we'll. Uh, Put some chill music in the background. Um, while while she works on that, I do wonder. So, like you know, just to recap, Q one, excuse me, Q four earnings. The biggest thing you're looking for is margins. It is from the discussion that we we're talking through. Really, is margins is number one. What are two and three for you? Margin, energy, and ASP. Because um, if ASP is still pretty high. Uh, and the general mix is okay, then I think Tesla still has room to lower by a couple of thousand. And because if I, I, I guess it's kind of ASP margin kind of go together, but I guess a margin, um, uh, and then energy, and then maybe the third one just being bottom line. What is the bottom line number? Okay. Yeah. If, if I were going to rank mine, it would be, I would say for me as energy, number one, margin, number two. And then I think full self-driving number three, to be honest, like in this whole thing uh, with uh, the bear market and sort of where the stock price has been and uh, Elon being Elon and saying feature complete by 2022. Nope. Wrong again. So, um, you know, again, but I, I, I would rather him be optimistic about this than pessimistic. Like I'm not, I'm not going to like ding him for missing timelines. Like you got to, you got to shoot for the stars. You know, if you miss, you land on the moon. There's that very like corny cliche, but it's true. So I <laughs> much rather him be that type of CEO. But yeah. I, I do wonder, I, I think we need to start hearing more about FSD, especially now that it's uh, sort of anybody who purchases the thing in the US can use it. I've personally mm. seen a lot of improve, like so much improvement to the point where, you know, my wife is like, I can see why they yeah. made this full release. Not perfect but it's getting pretty freaking close and there's a lot of regions where it's useful. So in this whole noise sort of, or, you know, uh, signal time we've been in, that's been kind of tough to navigate. Full self-driving has sort of been forgotten about its potential, especially in the near term. So -hmm. could we get some guidance that says, yep, literally in Q2, we expect our margins to raise by this much because we expect full self-driving to be in everybody's hands and we think adoption is going to go up by... 10 to 20% because we're going to do a free trial for everybody. And then uh, we expect everybody who uses it 
you know, 10% of those people will sign up with a monthly trial. And then as it gets better and better, we expect this number to grow to 50% in a year and 80% in three years. I don't know, like something like that. Um, I doubt we'll get that. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) But unfortunately, Tesla will never... We'll, we'll never guide like that as I mean, yeah. Elon might, but I, I don't think Tesla. Uh, that's the, and that's the bummer. That's the bummer. Cause I, I've been thinking about guidance too, is like that 50% guidance they've, they've been giving is phenomenal on years that they can beat it because they can be like, you, we told you 50, but we went 80 in your face. But then, and then, but then on the opposite years where it's like, you know, they say on average 50% when we're below 50%, we're like, they're like, well, we told you it's going to be, you know, some years higher, some years lower, but that doesn't, that doesn't sit as well. You know, that's, and that's why I get guiding is so important because when you beat the market loves you for it, but when you miss, you get punished by everybody. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's for near term, medium term sort Mm -hmm. of folks that are looking to trade the stock or be part of the stock, it sucks. But for long-term investors, it doesn't matter. Right. If you're five, 10 years from now, it doesn't matter. So, Anyway, all right, let's uh, start doing some Q&A here. Producer wife, when you get a chance, let's do the first question and let's get started. All right, first question. Would the Gen 3 be the new Model 3 with front and rear castings? Uh, what do you think, Josh? I don't think so. I think it'd be substantially different, not just adding in giga castings and calling it a new model, I think. Yeah. I agree. I think, you know, because Model Y is not called the Gen 3 platform and Gen 3, you know, Model Y is literally that. So I agree. I think it's going to be the compact car. Uh, but great, great question. Thank you. Let's do the next one. George Orwell, question. If the street determines where Tesla will go, why does Tesla not put more effort in building trust with the street? Phenomenal question. What do you think, Yashu? Look, I've always been on team. Tesla should have a communications PR-ish department, even if it's a couple people. So you're talking to the right. I uh, think, think you're talking to the to the wrong guy when you ask this question because I, <laughs> I agree with you, George. Uh, but I think, um, and maybe far as that, you're on, the, on, on more of my side now on this, maybe. But I think I think a lot of people will tell you it doesn't matter what you tell the street; they're still going to run with their narrative, blah blah blah. So I think Tesla should. That's my answer. I think I think the investor day this year is like a small step towards that direction where you know retail retail investors are kind of loosely tied to the street they are people that buy and sell the stock and they influence what the price is it's not like wall street and it's not you know the media outlets but it's at least it's saying hey we hear you in a way so check out what we're working on and it being live stream you know and the community and like these channels and twitter and everything they're going to disseminate the information out to everybody and we should eventually get to the street so even though they're not catering directly to the street i think it's passively that step um but i think this is like ultimately i think this is a question of how does elon view the kind of culture he wants to build from the standpoint of catering to a subset of the media that historically he's been very unhappy with. And so from a like personal, uh, I don't know, maybe like his moral compass, I don't think is going to allow him to do this too much. And I think the investor day is going to be as close as we get, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on where you are on this side of the coin. So that's, that's how I think about it. It's just, I think it's just Elon, it's Elon and it's his company. And uh, yeah, he's a public company, but ultimately he's going to set the the tone. And I just, I don't see him doing that. He just, that would be a big U-turn. So we'll see. Uh, great question, George. Thank you. Next one. Uh, question, thoughts on Elon's poll? Oh yeah, let's let's bring this up. Uh, let me send you the link. Uh, oh, look at, 
producer wife is just on fire. Nice. Got it ready. Elon Musk should uh, stay out of politics, keep shooting his feet, and my wife freaking voted for keep shooting. <laughs> Way to out yourself there. I love it. No, she's very like she actually likes uh, Elon. You know, being his own man, which I which I respect. What do you think, Yashu? Actually, well, it's funny because some someone pulled a someone pulled a tweet from Elon from 2017 where uh -oh. he said he said I'm paraphrasing he said uh, you know one should not get into politics there's no winning <laughs> on either side for paraphrasing there I forget what it was but um, so it's funny to see how kind of things have changed but so one side of the argument would be look Elon is some sort of the moderator of this platform as a moderator you want to be unbiased and you don't want to skew results being the moderator or you don't want to drive narrative as the moderator and then the other side of the coin is look elon is a is a free thinking human being for free will he'll do what he wants it's elon so um i think he should he, i think he should stay out of politics um personally but that's not to say i'm gonna force him to do that or i think that he should for himself but that's just that's just me yeah, actually, to correct, uh, I was corrected in the private chat. My wife did not click on that. That is the result. The result is that's being the result because there's so. no check mark. So yeah, so my apologies. <laughs> I didn't want to like uh, uh, throw Cindy out of the bus here, producer wife. Um, I am I am on the same boat as you are. I do think that staying out of politics is is wise. But here's the deal: like, um, I am encouraged by how much lower the noise has been around Elon and Twitter for the last couple of weeks when he's not outwardly outwardly trying to like like saying divisive things or you know which he has every right to do but notice how it's been a lot quieter it's been a lot quieter I'm not saying this is right or wrong this is just something I've noticed it's been a lot quieter around this front and so theoretically would it be is is best noise no noise using some, one of his analogies and could he continue to do politics but do it behind the scenes you know just do your thing um and if sometimes you want to tweet about it great if you want to use uh verbiage that's maybe a little bit less divisive great but it's up to him you know it's I, i'm just a different person than he is and that's why i don't run tesla and that's why he runs tesla you know i would never be able to come up with tesla so who am i to tell him what to do but that's how i think about it's it. all it's also not the way it's not also what you say it's the way you say it that matters and mm. i don't i think elon's purposely trying to he's been purposely to make a point a kind of a, a bull in a china shot to a degree with the yeah. way that he said stuff not what he said specifically but maybe that's to a point and he's trying to make a point and and i guess who's to know yeah and then lex's uh reply underneath you are best you are at your best when you focus on engineering over politics and then somebody replied to him, you are best when you focus on your podcast over telling people how to run their lives. Vicious. Twitter. Welcome to Twitter. All right. Yes. Thank you, producer wife. Let's do the next question. <laughs> Man. Uh, from Moon, question. What will be the time between announcement and production of the compact? That's that's the that's a, that's a the question. What do you think, Yashu? Um, year or less, I'm hoping. I know. Quite optimistic right but i think tesla will probably want to start uh delivering within a year because presumably this compact is going to cost a fraction of what like the model 3 or y costs uh for it to be compact and so therefore you'd hope there's a faster way that they can produce these things so i'm saying a year or less is my guess but maybe that's optimistic 
I'm with you. I think it's going to be much shorter lead time than, than the Cybertruck, <laughs> for sure. It's three years plus. Um, here's my hot take. And my hot takes have been 100% wrong this last year, but I'm going to do them anyway because I'm not afraid. Okay. I think the compact car will be the first time in Tesla's history where a new product line gets leaked before they announce it because they're going to try to build it ahead of time, right? They're not, okay. they're not going to be able to avoid because when they announced the Model Y, the Model 3, the Cybertruck, the Model S, the Model X, the Roadster, the Semi, nobody knew what they were going to show. They just did a teaser and then it appeared because they have an extremely close-knit tie of people working on the prototype. You don't need to build out a production line. You don't need to build out the machinery. You don't have to put in the processes. You don't have to bring on suppliers, right? So if if this strategy is what they take with the compact car, which is start getting the production getting going and, you know, say six to 12 months, you'll crank out the first unit a la Apple with the new iPhones. What would have happened is you've already turned green lighted a bunch of suppliers and a bunch of uh, equipment manufacturers and whoever else that's required to start ramping up production. And now you are relying on tens of thousands of people to keep their mouth shut. Good luck with that, right? And that's how leaks okay. happen. So um, if if that were to happen, I think we'll see the compact car from Tesla before Tesla announces it. Um, and that will be the signal that says that it's closer than we think. Okay. And I, I like can't it. wait to be wrong on that. <laughs> like I have been with everything else. Uh, next question. Okay, why are people not talking about not taking no not talking about Twitter as an advertising platform for Tesla? What do you think? Yeah, this is your wheelhouse. Um, because it doesn't really make sense. Tesla doesn't need to advertise um, on Twitter as their first advertising mechanism. And let's be honest, the the optics of Tesla giving money to Twitter when Elon owns Twitter would really just optically optically I, I think we could agree would look like kind of a handout to twitter based on what's happening so um i just don't think it's uh i think twitter but if you don't if you don't mean paid advertising and just like tesla twitter account tweeting and for example that crash that happened that all of the passengers were saved and the, and the father ran over a cliff and he's going to be persecuted or prosecuted for that um yeah 100 organic but if you talk about paid advertising i just don't think it makes sense yet to talk about uh that in terms of tesla that being tesla's first mode of, of advertising i think yeah yeah i i'm, I'm with you there uh, i'm 100 percent. yeah i don't have anything else to add there um somebody in the comments tell me i talk too much <laughs> sorry that's your job that's, man. <laughs> that's my job i don't know what to tell you that's how i get my brain out so uh if you want shorter answers maybe start your own channel next question da -da -da -da. uh what do you think the 2022 cash flow will be um, so, I mean, I think, what, 4 billion, 5 billion, something like that? 2022. No, I think 2022 probably close around 10-ish. Yeah. 10-ish. Okay. Yeah. I, I think yeah. four, 400,000 vehicles, which probably means about 3.5 billion in free cash flow. Just, this is offhand, um, 3.5. And I think trailing nine months prior to, to a quarter three inclusive is probably close to 6.1 or 6 billion for your cash flow. So maybe 10 ish. Okay. And then 15 next year, hopefully. Yeah. I'm right there with you. So the next one. Uh, is it a miss if production is sold, but in transit? I mean, 
It's it's interesting because the miss the miss equation is like depending who you ask, you get like two different answers, right? Uh, there was somebody from Arc doing an interview on a uh, finance channel. What there, you know, he was like, "Is it really a miss if the company is growing forty percent when the rest of the industry is down? You know, two, three percent, five percent." I think miss is just it's such a weird word because it really comes down to what are you comparing it to. Uh, in the world of finances, like you're comparing it to what the street is is expecting, and so if that's how near-term stock price movements are dictated, it seems like, then if you don't deliver what the street thinks you're going to deliver, it's a mess, regardless of where it is. Now, theoretically, but here's here's what sucks is in Q1 now the street's going to be like, well, you know, those were in transit anyway; they were sold, so we're going to up our estimates by that much. So I can see how that's unfair, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's a weird question. What? How do you think about this one, Yashu? When you've done something one way for your for a long time with the street, and then you change the way that you deliver all of a sudden after, and you don't, you, of course, Tesla gave a lot of context. They showed that little delivery wave graph, and they tried talking about it. But now, when you release it, um, expectations are one way, and then now uh, reality is sitting another. So, a, so the only thing Tesla could do to make this clear is they say. We produced 440. We've actually sold 440 as well, by the way, but we were only able to deliver 405 because ships and truck. And they explicitly said that. Will they ever do that? Probably not because they don't think they owe us any explanation for that on a quarter by quarter basis. And they're like, screw you. This is what the facts are. But it, but short of them saying, we've actually sold 439,000 out of the 440 and uh, they're just on the way to where they need to go. Hmm. But for, for, for short of them saying that, we're going to assume that they're not sold or the streets can assume, I think, that they're not sold. So, yeah. Next one. Da, ba, da, da. And uh, you see again. Awesome. Was China sales slowdown in December a result of COVID impacts, pricing problems? That's, I mean, this is the big question that's being debated uh, ever since they, they posted deliveries. I mean, I, I think it would be, I think COVID definitely is having an impact for sure. For sure. I mean, you, you go two two years with your country being in giant lockdown and then all of a sudden you're like, open the floodgates and then half your country is probably sick <laughs> by now. This is going to impact sales. Um, so I, I think that's definitely some sort of magnitude that's being impacted. The pricing stuff, it could be. But again, I I don't really think pricing is that big of a problem. Like there, there's two different equations. There is the pricing equation, and then there is the margin equation. I don't think I don't think Tesla has a problem with pricing or demand. They might have a problem with how much margin the street expects them to make in that specific market if they're not able to generate enough demand at those higher price levels. And so for me, it's you know, if it's a price problem, just lower it, and then you'll stoke the demand you need. It's going to hit your margins, but you know. You could make it up on the backside with with uh, lowering costs and better production. How do you think about that, Yashu? Uh, I think COVID definitely played a part into the last little bit in China. But the ca the caveat to that is it hasn't played a part, I think, to the same degree for, for example, Neo or BOID did at the end. So mm -hmm. if you're a bear, you could say, look, what's up with Tesla specifically here that's made the difference? So um, I guess we'll see. I haven't I haven't dove into the data uh for other auto manufacturers as much as uh, I think I should if I want to properly answer this question. Yeah. If anybody has any insights on this in the comments, let us know because this is like, we'll, we'll know in Q1. I'm curious if we'll get some guidance on this in Q1. Um, we'll take it from there. Let's do a few more. Extended Q&A. Evie, 
Question, when do you think, Iggy Geezer, Iggy Geezer, that's actually a great name. Uh, when do you think we'll see Tesla get back to its November 2021 all-time high of around 412 bucks for sure? Boy, if I knew this, if I knew this <laughs> yeah, answer, that's the thing. <laughs> I would I knew probably, this, I would just, yeah, I would yeah, be on an island somewhere and... hanging out. <laughs> yeah. So um, sure. Man, so I've been playing with this idea a little bit. I was actually, that was going to be one of my video ideas for next week at some point. I was like, okay, let's do a thought exercise and think about if the market assumes like a 20 to 25 price earnings uh, multiple for the stock and, you know, you assume a, a some sort of earnings increase with the cars get trending towards 20 million per year, um, you know, full self-driving, energy, all these different variables, how long it would take. I mean, based on my like model and again, I'm, I'm bullish, so take it with a grain of salt, 2025, 2026, something like that. Uh, what do you think? I mean, and again, not investment advice. I don't know what I'm talking about. This is just a thought exercise. But how do you think about that question, Yashu? I think let's crowdsource everyone throw in the comments when when you think. Um, oh, yeah. The one thing I'll say on this, because I, I can't give you a precise state on anything, but the one thing I say is look at the Fed, because the Fed dictates the next wave, uh, in my opinion, of equities. Uh, because... Like I said, how long have I been saying this? I've been saying if Tesla came out with the RoboTaxi network tomorrow, it seems like with the Fed, nothing would matter. And it, and it seems like we're waiting on the Fed to pause, pivot, whatever you want to call it. So I'm quite actually bearish on the economy because I think the last Fed hike was already too much. I think the one before that was questionably too much. And the one coming up is, uh, is way overboard, in my opinion. So I all of a sudden now look at, for example, the news that came out of Bank of Japan and the kind of gong show that's going on with their systemic problem with bonds and, and, their, and their, their upper thresholds going up. And I'm like, is this indicative of a macro problem that the Fed is going to face this year? And if it is, that takes us, I think, throughout this entire year to really get uh, right. And if you look at Fed, if you look at macro, if you look at equities uh, indexes, they usually don't bottom out until a couple months after the Fed pivots and starts lowering rates again, a couple months after. The time that the, what's different about this time is that the market has already crashed into that first. Like we've already crashed substantially going into what will eventually be a pivot. Like there will be an eventual pivot. Uh, so is this different because of that? Is it different because of not because of that? Let's say if it's not different, then a uh, macro pivot happens, let's say end of this year. If you're really long, if people are saying it's going to happen this quarter, I don't know. Um, but let's say it happens end of the year because you're really bearish on this on this Fed committee, which is set on this destruction path then bottoming out may not happen till end of the year like you know that's kind of where, where we're sitting at and the big question again like i've said is housing uh where does that go as well so a lot of moving parts here but the answer i guess i'll answer uh, i'll answer with a package is if uh when the fed moves on from their path of destruction and so whenever that is um we'll see <laughs> come on jay pal get your stuff straight bro next one jay pal jerome pal for those on the fed chair sorry <laughs> i should probably give some context Oh, here's a question from producer wife. What does producer wife think about being called producer wife? Producer wife, what do you think about? I don't know. Should we should we answer that question? <laughs> does producer wife want to come on and answer? Um, yeah, she should. That, that's that's a that's an interesting question. Yeah, it's been funny because the last couple of streams, I love how she brought this up too. <laughs> uh, yeah, for the last couple of streams, I've been getting some interesting feedback about. Um, uh, <laughs> Folks taking issue with me calling uh, her producer wife. And uh, from the feedback I've received from producer wife, 
is that it's uh it's completely fine and it's no issue at all because it's a little pet name that's super fun and uh, we love each other very much and uh i hope y'all don't think i'm some sort of freaking misogynist like controlling husband or something <laughs> no, so uh but so. anyway um yeah i love my wife very much and she's my producer and my wife i don't know what, what, should, what else should i call her <laughs> uh next question great question cindy moon that's funny uh jose what do you think of tom drew being brought in to fix sales and delivery yeah i mean go ahead Yashu. I'll, I'll let you answer first actually good um actually no you take this one I think it's um, I think it's a great sign that the leader of Shanghai, which is Tesla's crown jewel of production efficiency and uh, sales delivery and speed and quality, is going to head not just the American market but literally the global market. So then all those wins you're going to take from from Shanghai should theoretically flow to the entire global production line i think it's great i think this is a really good call um it's it's it harkens me back to like jerome uh guillen when he used to be like head of operations for tesla before uh, you know he moved on to the next stage of his life and he, he was a tesla for a long time um this is the continuation of that but now you have somebody who from from every uh interview i've seen with him and everything else um he seems super um uh dedicated to his work and he clearly has an amazing track record and uh, he, I, the, you mentioned, Yashu, you mentioned Matt and Emmett's interview with a former China, like Shanghai um, a Tesla employee. I implore everybody to go watch that interview. It's on Good Soil's channel. Go watch it. I think it will give you a lot of insight into the kind of person Tom is. Uh, what do you think, Yash? Oh, well, that's great. Yeah, nothing to add. Okay. Let's do a couple more. Uh, JW, what do you think about demand? Tesla did not enter many markets in Europe, such as uh, Bulgaria, Turkey, where price is not important to sell because there is no car market. Also, India. Um, go ahead. We talked about this briefly earlier in the stream, but maybe give us some your thoughts here. Lots of countries Tesla can still enter. Thailand is still expanding, for example. Uh, so yeah, so when you talk about demand, it's about how can Tesla get cars there. India, uh, yeah, but the import tax is massive. Like it's 100% plus, I think, whatever it is for an import tax to get any luxury car in there. So I'm not sure if India is a good market, uh, but Apple's going into India. Um, but yeah, India needs to fix its tariff situation to protect domestic car production. But um, yeah, what I think about demand, lots of markets still to enter. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, let's do the next one and then one more after that and we'll call it. Uh, question, will the IRA guidelines be amended to include Model Y 5C? Boy, That's let's <laughs> take this time. Let's take this time to uh, uh, promote this a little bit. Producer wife, which I assure you she's okay with for those that are worried. Uh, Someone called you Andrew Tate in the comments. Did you see? I know. So guess what? You know that person that uh, I know him very well, Gene Winkler. I know him really, really well. So he's just trolling me. Love you, Gene, you bastard. Uh, <laughs> it's just that everybody's trolling me now. Go ahead and pull up my uh, my profile, if you don't mind, producer wife, uh, on Twitter. And uh, we'll go ahead and show this uh, this uh, tweet that I've, that I've put together. So for, for, if you're not aware, if you scroll down a little bit to, yeah, the pinned tweet, so right now the IRA is uh, have uh, has an EV tax incentive where the Jeep Wrangler uh, hybrid version that gets 21 miles per gallon, uh, 20 miles per gallon equivalent and 21 miles of range is currently 
capable of getting a $7,500 EV tax credit, but the five-seater Model Y isn't. And that's because the way the uh, IRS has interpreted an SUV disqualifies the five-seater Model Y, which gets 330 miles of range and 117 miles per gallon equivalent, is not supposed to get the EV tax credit. So what we're trying to do here as a community is we're trying to uh, tell the IRS that they did something wrong and they need to fix it. So if you scroll down a little bit, uh, on that tweet, uh, there is instructions on how to fix this. Uh, so if you scroll up a little bit, um, babe, perfect. That help fix this. So, uh, and I have and I have producer wife send a link to the top tweet so y'all can follow the instructions. There, uh, the IRS is open for comment right now, where you can send uh, an email to pra.comments at irs.gov, and if you put OMB control number 1545-2137 on the subject line, uh, you can write directly to IRS and tell them how you feel about the Model Y 5-seater not getting the discount, and you can also tell them that you may, maybe you're upset about a gas car that gets 20 miles per gallon gets the EV tax credit, which to me makes no sense. So. Um, do that. And then in addition to that, if you scroll down a little bit, producer wife, there is a, uh, a petition you can sign as well. If you want to click on that link, um, that we put together and on that link, um, we've already have, this is awesome. Over nice. almost 41,000 people have signed this petition already. And so the thought process here is if you, if you want to include this petition to the letter you write to the government, uh, hopefully the IRS will see that, hey, a lot of people are upset about this and we need to fix it. So consider doing that. I'll have producer wife I'll put a link to the t uh, tweet so that y'all can do it. And then over the weekend, I'll be, I'll, I'm also working on a video right now to try and create even more awareness for this thing that's really going to highlight just how the U.S. taxpayer is getting screwed by this really badly. So I'm trying my absolute best to create awareness on this, especially for uh, U.S. citizens and U.S. taxpayers, because I really think this is super unfair. But uh, if you're asking me if I think it's going to be amended, I really do believe it's going to be amended because this is such an insane discrepancy. Um, if it doesn't get amended, then that ho opens a host of different questions that I hope we don't get into. But if we do, you're about to see Warpath Farzad come out and it's not going to be pretty. So apologies in nice. advance. Um, but what it. do you think, Yashu? Is there anything to add to that? That's, that's great. No, yeah, no, no. 100%. Yeah. I feel weird right, talking about US what? law stuff. Like, it's like, I'm not a US taxpayer. Like, what am I supposed to say about this? So yeah, but I I, I do agree. It's, it's quite sad. Yeah. Well, you're a Canadian brother. It's okay. We, you can have some opinions. Just some, not all, just some, okay? Let's do one more. <laughs> Last one from Paul. Do you expect any meaningful work done by Tesla bot by 2024? Ooh. Uh, I'll, I'll throw my two cents and I'll give you the last uh, answer here, Yash. Um, I'm, I'm focusing a lot on energy and full self-driving and the auto business and the bot is not even part of my brain right now. So I'm, I'm going to say that Tesla is going to be really focused on executing like Yashu has said. And Tesla bot is going to become sort of a distant memory until 2025. Um, and so that's my way of tempering expectations, uh, which is, might still sound yeah. bullish, but I'm going to say Tesla bot, just I'm going to delete it from my brain until 2025. How are you thinking about it, Yash? That's kind of, that's kind of what I've done with FSD for, for the time being as well, because it seems like whenever there's timelines coming up, it's just, uh, it, it, it's like, instead of me having expectations, I'll just put it off and hope, hope it comes. Um, do I expect any meaningful work? I mean, I guess you could define meaningful work already what's happened in the last year for Tesla bot and what they've shown from AI day one, and AI day two, 
and and the, and the delta there. So I think meaningful work will be done, and there's no doubt that there's a large team at Tesla working working on this. I mean, remember Elon said like this is Tesla's main focus almost uh, past um, what they got going on. Like this is in the long long term. Like this is gonna be so. I don't, I don't expect because the stock price has gone down or Elon's joined Twitter here that anything's really going to change too, too much, um, in my opinion. So do I expect any meaningful work done? Probably. But will it be commercially ready? Probably not. And yes, I'm probably not banking on it either. Okay. Yeah, I think that's another thing too, is like just because the stock is price is down and there's a lot of noise doesn't mean that Tesla's going to stop working on all these long-term things. So that's another mm-hmm. encouraging long-term development. So, okay. All right, let's wrap it up there. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Yash. Thank you, producer wife. Great job, producer yes. wife. You're the best. I love you so much. Uh, Yash, any uh, any last words for our, for our group? Uh, no, hope everyone does well or is doing well. Hope everyone can uh, detach from all the craziness at some point um, throughout the day and or throughout the weeks here because there will always be craziness in the macro markets. And that's one thing I've realized is the news cycle has just gotten so divisive, uh, so loud, so roller coastery. There's no such thing as positive news anymore, really, it seems like. And so remember to just disconnect. And one thing I've done, I'll share a little tip. I've downloaded this app no affiliation it's called one sec and every time i want to open twitter it makes me go through some sort of a a thing that i've set up either i have to breathe in and out either i have to track my finger to like it basically makes it so like it makes me not want to just you have to like prepare (laughs) i do and then i have to click on select my intention then i have to say what's my intention on twitter and then i can set like five minute reminders to get off of twitter so stuff like that if if you have to do and i found that helpful for me in this cycle of craziness but i I hope everyone can find what works for them that's awesome man that's actually a brilliant advice i uh uh, talking about producer wife, she uh, she's uh, encouraged me to stop waking up and look at my phone immediately the second I wake up, which is something I, I was doing a lot these last because I'm like, you know, I'm like, I got to keep up with what's going on because I, I got to be able to, you know, inform my audience and stay up with what the hell is going on. I am a Tesla investor after all. So I got to keep mm-hmm. and she's like, why don't you just take an hour in the morning to just like not do that and like take care of yourself, take care of your brain, mm-hmm. take care of your body. Like just hang out yeah. for a little bit. Like that makes a lot of sense. And then the first day I tried it, I'm like, I'm going crazy, but I, I feel like I'm falling behind. I feel like I'm falling behind. By the third, by the mm. third, fourth day is a little bit easier. So um, it works. It puts me in a better mood. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit fresher. I can think more clearly. So I highly encourage everybody to do something too. Take care of yourself first. I think that's the, my yes. biggest lesson here. Take care of yourself first, and then uh, and then embark on your journey for the day. And, and I think it will allow you to go even harder than you thought you could because now you're actually well-intentioned, you know? And I think that app idea is actually brilliant. Yeah, the app is really like a game changer. It's called One Sec, remember. Uh, I really recommend people try, at least try it out. Again, no affiliation. I just, I love it that much. Um, also go for a walk or something, go for exercise. I, I think one thing that I've I've changed in the last couple of weeks, especially is like really prioritizing physical health. And I find it, it does help my mental state of mind as well, a lot more. Sometimes it's easy to put it off during Christmas time. And that's kind of been my problem for the last month or so, especially because it's dark, it was snowy out, like, you know, but it's easy. But, um, and again, none of this has to do with Tesla, but I, I just think it's important because at the end of the day, our mental state of mind really runs uh, everything. Uh, so, uh, get out, go for a walk, go to the gym, do whatever you need. Perfect. Thank you, man. Thank you, Yashu. Thank you, everybody in the comments. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, producer wife. Great job, as always. Thank you so much for yes. the support. And uh, we'll see you guys around. Take it easy, everybody. We'll see you on the next one.
Peace.